This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Make that move, we can't relate to that. I roll the dice, shit, if I lose, I'm gonna be shaking back. Cause lessons learned within the loss, just elevate the fact that trial and error just the only way. Ain't no escaping that. I wake up, hit a hundred push-ups, then I'm at my route. Check on my stocks, see how they looking, then I'm sliding out. When you start seeing your progression, you stop having doubts. And what's the point of having clout if you can't cash it out? True to this game, but number life, hey. Eh? Feel like we finna change the cycle, ayy. That's the most success, you know we thriving, ayy. That's the most depression for our rivals, ayy. Could teach a lesson on survival, ayy. You know I'm from the bottom. What up with it, Wealth Builders? It's your boy, David Bellard. One of the founders of Black Wealth Renaissance Hill, my brother. You already know the vibes. What's good, Jalen? What's good, man? How you doing, my brother? Man, I'm doing fantastic. I'm feeling blacktastic. You already know we getting toward the end of the year. And we back at it with another fire session of podcasts, man. Hey, man, I'm so excited, dog. I'm feeling good, too, dog. Like you said, black-tastic, fantastic, whatever. I'm just some type of tastic, feeling great. Uh, I'm happy to be here on this new episode. Um, yeah. But we got another guest that he always come through, deliver fire. He's a friend of the show. He's That's been here before. Um, but I'm gonna let you do okay, your yeah, thing yeah, with yeah, yeah, you know yeah. the you, intro man. You, you, you already know how it go, man. You already know. So, like Jalen just mentioned, man, we got he like DJ drama the intro. <laughs> <laughs> so, like Jalen just mentioned, though, y'all, we got a friend of the show on, man. Uh, electrifying episode last time we had him on, so y'all know we had to bring him back. He's a father, husband, entrepreneur, mentor, business leader, and the founder of the Private Small Business Society, none other than Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs. What's good with you, brother? What's going on with it, dog? I, I, I get a I, pound this time. I told Last you. time I didn't get a pound. <laughs> I got a pound this time. Friend of the show. Oh, I'm good now. I'd be remiss if I didn't say it. Appreciate you for extending the studio. Y'all yeah, see this fire set up? Yeah. This look way better than y'all normally see us looking. So I better see them views on the YouTube. Y'all Go know we look, at, we, look at, we look at real quality now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Jake, man, again, thank you yeah. for joining us on the show, man. Um, real brief before we get into it. Yeah. Uh, I, we, we're familiar with you. Yeah. We know you've built... Well, I, I was four companies at the time, a portfolio of four companies yep. to eight-figure business uh, as a conglomerate. Yep. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's been a lot more popping off since then. Yeah. Give us a brief reintroduction to yourself. Yeah, so uh, my name is Dr. Jake Taylor Jacobs, uh, founder and CEO of BizCo Capital. Um, and then we also, what you talked about, we spur off and create an organization called Private Small Business Society, which we'll talk about today. But BizCo Capital is more of a holdings company of our consulting firm, our insurance agencies, we acquired um, a, a staffing company as well as a call center, two call centers in the DR this year. 
And congratulations, uh, dog. Two tech companies. One is a marketing automation software, and one we're one of one in America right now. We have uh, the only bookkeeping and accounting software owned 100% by a black owned uh, founder called Pocket Bookkeeper. So we're doing some cool stuff, man. Hey, hey man, man. We still not, got the claps on the board, man. We got to put the clap. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, yeah. It ain't my boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, that's fire. Yeah, yeah. Hell yeah, bro. Like, that's crazy just to hear all of the things that you're doing. And even, like, some of the ways that you're actually conducting business. Yeah. Like, you know, Holden's company. Yeah. There's a lot of people, they, they barely even got a regular structure. Yeah. Right? And you're talking about Holden's companies and acquiring these businesses. So I know we're going to get into some good things throughout this uh, episode. Yep. Uh, and I know we want to kind of focus and highlight about the private small business society as well. Um, and we'll get into all of that. But... I guess one of the first ways that I kind of wanted to start this off is, you know, you did uh, the State of Small Business Address on Black Friday, right? Um, And I kind of just want to talk about some of the things that were talked about in there, why you felt there was a need for a a State of the Union Small Business Address. So let's start there first. Why did you feel there was a need that you had to address small businesses? I think uh, a post-pandemic um, what people are starting to see is that the market is reverting back to how the market was prior to 2029. Mm-hmm. And so 2020, uh, 2019, 2019, 2019 you, excuse I me. I got you, brother. Uh, so 2019 going into 2020, you started to start hearing these rumors and thoughts that there's a, going to be a shutdown coming because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, what we know as the pandemic today. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so you started to see people kind of adjust and change and you start to see revenue increase. But, what the market is changing is changing back to uh, a very competitive, hard to work through market um, that was prior to the pandemic happening. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting to see, you look at stats, uh, uh, repossessions are at an all time high, evictions yeah. at an all time high, uh, entrepreneurs, debt, consumer all debts, all debts savings, are, rates, savings rates are falling beyond measure at a faster rate than it's ever have in American history. People tapping into four facts, four one ks. They've been kind of doing it, mm-hmm. um, but now, now it wasn't just to like leverage it. Now it's like to hardship, live, to live. Right? Correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, a lot of the banks that were uh, happy about to see a bunch of people borrowing money and doing all. Now they're getting up to date on these schemes and the stuff that people have been employing to just get line on applications to get funding. So you're starting to see the state of small business being a worse state than it actually was prior to the pandemic, because now you have a bunch of people, more than 15 million businesses in four years into the market. You're talking about every year, 30% and higher mm-hmm. double on mm-hmm. the year prior to of businesses even being in a market. So you got a bunch of business owners in the market who are honestly underdeveloped. They're not prepared. And now they're realizing like, wait a minute, there's more to business than just posting something on social media and then money going up. So I felt like doing a state of small business America was to address the simple fact that we are not as developed as we should be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that are slowly going back into the job force mm-hmm. and not really talking about that and process I'll be and honest, that change. We, we've we've been open about it. We went yeah. back to the job yeah. force. Yeah, I told y'all. Hey, listen. Yeah, yeah, you did. You were one of the first. Like, hey, man, you gotta go get a job. We'll get a job. Brother. Yeah, it, it has nothing to do with that because statistically, it actually shows that people with job experience, at least ten years within a said field, see a hundred. 125% more in success launching a business. Mm. And so when you look at the numbers and you see how many people um, uh, matriculated into uh, the small business world, 
you can realize what the effects are. And then if we do not change that, I don't really think that we understand how strong uh, uh, America is built off of the small business. The small business. And so when you start seeing so many people talk about don't hire, automate this, that's not business. And then when you have that, now you got a new generation that will be the small businesses of America. If they're if they're anti hiring, if they're anti true development, if they're anti working this stuff out, the state of the economy that we know today is going to is, is going to be destroyed. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and right now, like. I'm glad we're having this conversation because it is a pivotal time with, with the influx of new businesses that came in during that time. They came in during a bubble, right? Yes. During a bubble economy yep. when the fed was pumping so much money in to the economy that it was almost impossible to lose. People were making more money on, um, on, uh, unemployment, unemployment than they, they were working. Yeah, a job. That's, that's a fact. fact. That is a, I know people who, Try was trying to get fired. Yeah, get on unemployment. I know niggas who when they was working, they wasn't traveling. If niggas got on unemployment. Niggas was in Miami. <laughs> That's, niggas, a That's a New fact. York. I'm like, bro, what's going on here? But but like to say that to say like we were in a bubble environment. Yeah, and so many people's introduction to business was in this bubble. Yep. Whereas like you could just like you just mentioned, come online, post a picture, not really have that show your credentials or yep. have any backing to start making money. Right. So what it led to is a lot of people coming in thinking shit was sweet. Yep. And based on what I read in the report, man, shit ain't sweet. Man. No, sir. <laughs> shit is not sweet. So <laughs> <laughs> one thing I wanted to get into with the report, right, because I think it was super interesting. You guys conducted a study. Yeah. You interviewed 63, 63. executives. Mm-hmm. And can we get into some of the findings of that study? Yeah, so uh, a six three, we uh, interviewed 63 executives that ran $2 million to $10 million shops, businesses. And um, based on that audit, because, you know, we have a consulting arm to us. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these executives were looking out to us for consultative work. So we make everybody fill out some type of suitability audit so we can figure out exactly where they were. So these were clients, and some of them we actually had to send away but these were clients and potential clients that we were that were coming to us for their services to help them optimize and be more efficient. So it's a 200 question survey. You have to do it within a 30 minute span. So it doesn't allow for you to lie. It's yes, no, yes, no. Do you have these things? And what we found was we were in a worse position than we actually thought. These people running two million and ten million dollar shops were getting a 30 percent, 36 percent on average grade out of 100 percent of Knowing their business, business forecasting, understanding their products, their their staff, knowing the mission of the company, them not having a mission, just selling products just to sell products. That's a scary place to be, especially knowing that some of these places were actually hiring. People were leaving stable enterprise jobs to come work for these forward thinking or upward mobile uh, moving companies only to if they only knew that the leadership had no idea where they were going. Mm. So imagine going to go work for a company and then banking all of your entire life on this company when a leadership doesn't even know what they're doing and where they're going. And so that's what the study was was revealing and showing. Damn. Damn. So whenever y'all saw took the findings and yep. the data of that, right, what did it tell you this is what we need to act upon now? Like right. What, what, uh, and that's honestly where the uh, Private Small Business Society uh, – 
we, we began to start really pushing toward building certifications because what we began to see was that there's a lot of people in positions that were not trained or prepped for those positions. There's a lot of people that were put in places because of what they said they did in the past. And in most small businesses, because you need help, you really don't do resume checks. You don't do reference checks. You don't do anything. You're just hiring anyone that seems like they know a lot of what is going on. If they pass the eyeball test. The eyeball test. Or you saw more companies that were around a long time that their staff were not doing any professional development or training on up-to-date information because how they did business in the past, they felt like if we just keep doing this, I'm going to just keep making the money that I need to make. I'm going to keep you know, uh, getting my salary. The company is going to keep progressing. And what they saw in this great transition into this Internet world, uh, you know, um, doing business hybrid in office and out of office. This is where a lot of these businesses begin to start struggling because your staff was not getting up to date information on their specific roles, industries, positions to allow for them to be able to adapt at the capacity that they needed to adapt for the business to thrive. So a lot of these businesses that were doing two and 10 million, they're they were downward trending, but their staff and employees didn't want to change. And the owner didn't really know how to make these changes for themselves. And so when we begin to start seeing these numbers, we what we begin to see is that it's not the lack of opportunity and resources. It was a lack of development within these uh, these these silos of roles or departments, including the CEO was underdeveloped and undertrained that we needed to start providing these options for them to actually get developed, trained and certified so that at least the CEOs, the executives knew that they had update information. They were trained. They were they were um, they were uh, uh, they went through practicums, whatever they needed to be had be said or had so they can be able to continue to progress. Something to hold them to a standard. Hold them to a standard. And that's that's the problem that a lot of small businesses, we don't have a standard. No. And if you think about public companies, public companies typically have higher standards because when you're publicly traded, any wrong thing that yeah. any one employee does, it can literally drop the stock of the company SEC. and bankrupt bankrupt yeah. everything. So that's why they're big on certifications. They're big on um, advanced uh, education. They're big on secondary. They're big on higher level education because at least they know that there is a standard of which you started something, finished something, and they start looking at the rigor of the university that you came from. So at least it gave them a base point in knowledge that you were starting with basic business principles and information. But when we did this study among small businesses, there's a lot of people in staff positions that never even been to business school, that never even studied fundamentals of business, that never even studied customer support other than being hired in customer support. Because as we know, a lot of black businesses struggle with customer support. Mm -hmm. Just because someone has a good smile doesn't mean that they're good at being able to help these customers be happy, stay patrons, and continue to move forward. When we seen these problems versus going to social media, posting about the problems, we decided let's create a solution so that we can be able to train these staff and employees that are within these businesses, give them career pathways and all the stuff to be able to grow and excel. That's major, man, because... Again, it's so many times with us that I think about that number, that influx of small businesses. I want to say it was record-breaking in 2021, right? Four point something million yeah. in one year with yeah. business violence. A lot of these people, we're talking about the same people who were on social media during the 2010, yep. 2020 to 2021 era where they just read, get an LLC. Yep. Go get X amount of dollars yep. in funding. I took a course. Yep. 
and then you'll you're instantly going to be rich or yep. you're going to build generational wealth. Yep. A lot of it there's steps missing there. A, a lot of steps. It's a <laughs> lot of steps missing there. Yes, like sir. yeah, the LLC ain't number a piece of paper. That's mm-hmm. it. All it's going to do for you is legally protect you yeah. in a limited liability. Yep. It's a limited liability company. So you still have exposure to Correct. risk, right? We just get into it and we start moving and trying to get these things done so focused on revenue that we don't focus on processes right. a lot of the time. That's right. So now I kind of want to go like just kind of into your personal journey yeah. when it came to building a business because you made your money in insurance. Correct. Which, right? Start, yep. So what was it like building out systems and processes like in the business? Because we, we, we talk about it. Black businesses often struggle with customer support. Right. They struggle with having those those defined missions and goals. So how right. do you relay that stuff to employees? So, so... <clears throat> Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. In my in my capacity, I'm glad you brought this up because we're going to keep digging, I'm sure. Um, in insurance, it's different when you build an agency. It's different because 90% of your staff are commissioned-only insurance agents. They eat what they kill. Gotcha. So building a support team or big organization is a lot simpler mm-hmm. when you're really building a sales team um, than you building a, a complete employee-based support organization. Two total different structures that I didn't even realize were two total different structures. On one side, you got independent contractors. Yeah, I got 200 independent contractors with five and internal staff um, to switch in the like role. best of the best doing a... Yeah, well, you hope that they're the best yeah. of the best, right? But yeah, they're, 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 they're producing and they're revenueing and they're doing these things. And they know that they have to thrive and exceed because their renewals, their residuals, and their commission is based on what they know and how they... A cater to these businesses so I can hold you accountable in your independent agency or your you as an independent agent in a lot different manner than I could if somebody was just working as a full time employee within the business. Those are two total different constraints constraints and there's two different structures. And so in the insurance world, it was easy to be able to, I'm just training salespeople how to go get a client, how to service that client, how to keep up to date, how to follow up with them. That's a, so that agent becomes customer support, sales and everything mm-hmm. all in one. So it's a lot different in that manner. But building an insurance agency, it was in 22 states. Um, we did a lot of good stuff. We was a number three producing agency for Emeritus uh, for two straight years uh, or three straight years. Um, and it was fun. It was absolutely fun in the country. Yeah. Mm. So how'd you take that and then figure out the other side of business, right? Like the part where you actually have to hire employees full time. And how'd you Payroll transfer? Yeah. How'd you HR transfer some of those skills over for you? Uh, that was a hard transfer um, because in the insurance financial sector, you get paid ACH. So you don't even have any dealings with merchant accounts. So I honestly, before 2020, before a, a November, December of 2019, I honestly didn't even know what a merchant account was. So you had never used a Stripe? Never. You never used in my life. But it makes sense, though, if you're getting paid ACH. ACH. Insurance one, companies pay us out. You ain't paying them 2%. Correct. I ain't, got, I ain't mad at the merchant account. It add up, though. It add up. Do add up, man. You be looking like, 
damn, yeah. wait, wait a minute. Yeah. That fifteen hundred just turned to thirteen That's right. something real quick. That's on right. It. That's right. And then in the insurance or financial services world, if there is a chargeback, they don't draft your account. It's just a bill that you owe the insurance carrier that you work through when you you know submit policies. I got you. With a merchant account, if there's a refund or a chargeback, oh, yeah, they, they draft in your account. I said, wait a minute, who robbing me, dog? <laughs> right, what I sign up for? So going from the insurance world of ACH and insurance carriers paying you out, and then if you have agents, they'll pay them directly if you don't want to deal with payroll. So you're only getting the money that you made, and the insurance carriers cover all technically your payroll of your sales team. Really? Yes. So un unless you are captive, now all the money comes to you and you pay them out. But I didn't want to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I just let the insurance carriers pay out my insurance agents. They paid us. And then my five support staff, we just paid them salaries from there. Mm -hmm. But transitioning to online business, making that transition, I didn't want to be in insurance forever, but I thought it was a great stepping stone for me in general. Um, so then we start transitioning to doing more business, now you, traditional business. Um, now you got merchant accounts Then you have two or three days. You got to wait until it's dropped in your account. And then you got about three to four months that the money really needs to stay liquid because somebody could ask for a refund or a chargeback that you have to fight. These are all things I learned on the fly. And fortunately and unfortunately, we learned when our business took off online. And so I'm learning a bunch of stuff, duct taping. Uh, I didn't even I didn't even know anything about a Zapier or automation mm -hmm. because everything was done manually in my world. So coming into this world, there was so much stuff that I was learning on the fly that I'm just picking up as I'm going, that I'm just kind of processing it along the way, which is the scariest place to be because you got a bunch of people that's depending on you to to. Uh, to be a leader mm -hmm. and run this company the same way you did your insurance agencies. But the landscape is a total different landscape you, you went, that you have to navigate. You, you went from being a, a soldier on a field where you were very familiar with the Correct. landscape. So now you're an unfamiliar territory. Right. Yeah. And you just got your troops and you, you trying to, you, you cutting down the trees as you, as we to, going, as you trying to lead. That's the right. Yeah. I got a question. So like you got these troops, right? But also you got a whole different set of personnel that you got to figure out how you work with. So what were some of those first hires that you had to go through and kind of learn, okay, I can't talk to you like a salesperson. Right. I got to. Every one of them. So what, what, <laughs> what were, what was the first hire? And then how did you navigate that part? Um, uh, our biggest expense was media team. Uh, th that was our biggest hire. Um, when I came on social media, I'm very big on buying distribution or partnering with distribution um, because if you got a product or service, you got the system in place. I'm not about to be on social media building nothing from scratch. So my very first focus was finding a, a person, a platform, or a company or entity that understood the scape of social media but already had a following mm -hmm. um, that needed a product or a service following. And so my first uh, technical hire was a business partner of mine that started off actually as a client that transitioned into an affiliate that we brought on as an uh, as an, a staff member or participating staff team member. Mm -hmm. And then from there, we built a marketing team around that person. Um, and that was the initial step because we had the agency stuff done mm -hmm. because the initial transition online was just to broaden our reach online, but still still self insurance policies. But what happened was with that broadening of the reach, now we're open to all these type of people that was interested in this 
be the bank concept that were not eligible, that didn't make enough money, that didn't have extra money in their cash or, you know, whatever. So we needed to start developing programs that could teach them how to make more money within their industries or within their business so that they could be able to participate in insurance. And so that very first transition was a natural one. Marketing first because we still had support. But it got really wonky when we started to get further and further away from selling insurance policies and more so programs, courses, books, curriculums. Now you have the majority of your staff. They're not salespeople. They're support staff. And that's when it started getting weird because you kind of don't really know who have the real capabilities Mm -hmm. because in insurance, I can hire anybody. And then your results are going to show because your money is made off of what you sell. Mm -hmm. And when I'm hiring a team and a staff, it's not the same. You can lie to me, but now we're three months in, and I didn't put all this time into you. I'm trying to make it. It's hard to figure out the ROI that you're bringing me. Like, unless I directly see every campaign that you work on, it resulted this. Correct. It's it's, it's harder to say, okay, this is how much you're actually bringing back to the company. Correct. Or saving the company. Or saving the company or bringing it back. And then it becomes, now you have those positions that are not really saving or making money. So how do you pay them? How do you, you know, do that? And then you're dealing That's with a challenge. You see right what I'm there. saying? Because it's like sometimes what they're doing is important, but how do you, you quantify? Don't, you don't quant. You can't quantify. Yeah, yeah. And so then you try to create these bonus structures and whatever, and then and then you want to keep their attention. So then you try to pay them enough to make them want to just only focus on your company. But then you're overpaying for you know what they actually can do, and you so you get all these like. Things that you learn on the fly that a lot of people are not in a position to learn. And then two, um, a lot of people you learn too late and you can't adapt and your company can end up imploding um, when you when you're not structured to be able to handle that. So I'm glad you touched on that. All right. I'm thinking back. You were you in the you in the, the back to that analogy. Right. You in there. You exploring this online world is new territory. You guys expanded real fast. Too right? fast. For sure. Like, can, can you talk? How much did y'all make? Um, we, we introduced a new program. We had a couple of strategic partners that we partner with. We launched this new, uh, product and we did uh, a product group organization. We did 11 million in nine months. What, what was this product? Uh, it was, uh, like, uh, an arranged, uh, assortment of like financial education. Oh, okay. okay. Um, yeah. Like, like a package. Yeah, like a package. Like every, every one of the strategic partners brought a specific specialty to the table. And then you. we built this like program that was able to give the consumers a cheaper way to get all of our services in one so, some ed- education yeah so just education for sure and i, I asked that question because i'm leading into something yeah so you went 11 million nine months how much were you making before that uh we was ranging between three and five million a year so three to five million a year to 11 million nine months that's three to four four x what you i mean two to two to three x what you guys were doing yeah right? which is unnatural very unnatural. So with that, like you talk, we was just talking about how you could be unprepared for stuff like yeah. that. What did you, what mistakes did you think you made along the way whenever you guys did it when, with this rapid expansion? Well, there's a lot of things I, I feel like you could, hindsight 2020 you could have done. One, uh, it would have been to, once we started seeing supernatural growth, um, uh, we should have hired uh, executives that, uh, that understood. already understood that growth to be able to hold the capacity. Um, but how the organization was structured, you almost had like five 
people, five strategic partners that all had equal say. So that that also does not always go well. Somebody got never goes well, bro. Somebody got to be. Somebody got to have final say. It never goes well. It's equal say, and then it's also don't want to take the blame. Yes. Equal accountability. Uh, Equal accountability. So it was equal say, but everybody had equal accountability. Mm -hmm. And uh, in that structure, one of the biggest mistakes I made because I was new to the merchant account world. uh, When we when we developed that product or that or that uh, offering to the public. Um, it was being processed through our merchant account. And the thing about it, our company was protected from this merchant account, but my personal guarantee was not. And so when we grew too fast and it ended up imploding because of the growth and we couldn't sustain it, staff wasn't even capable of man- manning it. Uh, we had a bunch of people who, when the going got tough, you begin to start really seeing where their true business acumen really was. And it wasn't really that well. And even including myself, I was not ready to lead no organizational structure that had an 11 million dollar growth in nine months Mm -hmm. and then finding the right people to hire. So I'm really trying to go off gut and not really experienced because I've never even experienced being in that position before because, you know, natural growth, you typically see five to 10 percent growth on a healthy company every year. So you can pretty much account for that growth strain that you will have. We see 100 percent growth in a nine month span. Shit. You understand? I'm cashing out. With, with it looks like I got a condo yeah. on big my wi- wrist. Yes. Big Willie style. Yeah, Facts. And, and so in that process, um, uh, everything was in my company's name because with that new product offering, um, there was no other groups or companies within that group that actually had a merchant account that was already approved at doing that type of processing like ours were. Because our processing was, we already was doing it. So anybody knows anything about a merchant account, you can't just start a new merchant account and do a million in revenue. You have to build a relationship with the merchant account. Them niggas, niggas going to flag the money. fuck out. Man, PayPal, strike them niggas going to flag the fuck Man, out you, of that Because it's a risk. You make $2,000 in a PayPal account out the blue. They flagging your Especially shit. Especially if there's no history. So it was one point where they was holding a lot of our money. And we was 20, just like twenty thousand. Yeah, our first relationship with Stripe, they held one hundred and fifty thousand from us, and then our lawyer got involved and they released the money immediately. And then that's when I learned the hard lesson of building a relationship. So not going straight to the merchant account, but reaching out to an account rep, mm-hmm. letting them understand your business, letting them know what your revenue has been doing, so they can already pre-approve you to the numbers that you're already doing so they can account for it. If you feel like there's going to be a spike in the next month, you got a promotion coming, you call your account rep and let them know. They'll approve you for that window of time and then you'll be good. But when you're just processing money without any communication, there's a lot of scammers out here and they know how to kind of do the stuff yeah. that they do. He's telling, he's putting the songs with shit. So, I was like, Oof. But so guess what? I didn't know none of this. So it's kind of like you don't even know what you're looking for mm-hmm. if you've never been uh, if you never had to uh, uh, um, to use certain skill sets mm-hmm. in ways that you've never used before, if you don't know what you're looking for, to even study for what you don't know well, what you're like looking for. me telling you to build a house and you've never heard of a nail, a hammer, yeah. a tool, like nothing. Yeah, and my life depended on I got to figure it out. And so in that case, in that situation, I couldn't just eject out because everything was in my name. And so now the process is how oh, can wait, I... Wait, wait, wait. So you said everything was in your name? Yes, it was so on like my it merchant. Was going, it was going through your personal. It was on. It was on our company merchant. So it was on our company merchant, and 
And on a company merchant, unless you build with a different merchant account, and you have you're a history. Talking about your you have personal guarantee. Your, is it your insurance merchant? No, insurance oh. don't have merchants. Remember, it's ACH. Okay, okay I got side. you. I got it's you. our education and consulting side. That okay. merchant account. Okay. Oh, it got blown. Oh, it got blown. It was it was it was a headache. What do you mean it got blown? Yeah, uh, a, a product went out in the marketplace that we didn't have a full. Um, a filtering process to be able to determine qualified products. Mm -hmm. This goes back to quality insurance, making sure that the products are what they're supposed to be. So we end up paying a bunch of refunds back. The merchant account, you know, we end up, you know, uh, going to bat, in, you know, legally with the merchant account with whatever that was owed or was due that we couldn't fulfill. And then we worked that out. But th th the case in point is this is a primary structure of it sounds good to make money until the cost of mistakes of making that money cost you more than what you actually earned and retained. Because hmm. I know Sam Bankman freed. I know he filled it. Right. And so, and so in that capacity, which is another reason why PSBS was created, mm -hmm. because who else is going to actually teach you this stuff? Everyone else is teaching, uh, um, you know, the industries, how. the how-tos, and we teach the why, what, and the when. The how-to is actually the last thing on the, the spectrum of learning that is the last thing you should focus on. Mm -hmm. The why, the what, the when are the most important pieces because you can hire the how or you can facilitate the how. But the how is the last thing. But if you look on social media, it's nothing but how-tos. So a bunch of people are learning from these how-to courses, how-to conferences, how-to YouTube videos, and thinking that that translates directly to a job or a career, but it doesn't. Because how-to, it just teaches you how to do the stuff and put it together. Mm -hmm. It doesn't teach you when you're supposed to implement it. It doesn't teach you why it's important. It doesn't teach you all the what's of that industry or of that service you when it comes to regularity, when it comes to, it. absolutely. And so those are the pieces that I was missing. I was learning the how-tos, merchant accounts, but I didn't know the what of the industries. I didn't know how long a chargeback or a refund could last. I didn't know none of that. Let's talk about chargebacks real quick. Because that you, you right now... Like everything that you're sharing with Private Small Business Society, it makes a lot of sense as to why you would start this. Yeah. Because your personal journey yeah. has brought you to a point where like if this was an issue that affected me, I know other business owners have right. and, and the fact on top of that, D, not to interrupt you, but we were able to sustain and get through. Mm -hmm. A lot of people can't take a four Thanks. million dollar loss and still be in the same business that they were in. But the fact that we had and have legitimate businesses that are not all dependent on the same merchant account mm -hmm. or uh, our insurance agencies, we still got that, you know, that was processing us through. So that's where that holding company Correct. comes into play. Right. I got you. So, yeah, with, with the chargebacks, Jake, you just mentioned it's a $4 million loss. Was that yeah. related to that? Yes, 100% okay. related to it. So let's talk about the chargeback rules because, you know, we, we when I hear chargebacks more times than not, I think of people trying to scam on you. Right. You know, people like, go and get products and then be like, oh, I never received it. And then you do like have digital that. products. You that, do have that. So that's what I think about more times than not. But I didn't know there was like a statute of limitations on chargebacks. I kind of figured if I put no refunds on my website, ain't no damn refunds if you got the product and I can show it to the merchant, right? Right. So like, can you kind of get into that? Um. Yeah, so you talk about chargebacks and refunds when it's mismarketed. Um when the product doesn't necessarily do exactly what it was supposed to do um, to the T that it was marketed. So like if you were to market the product and then also expose all of the, 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 um, the risks of getting the product, what it, what it could or could not do is almost like prescription pills. If I take a prescription pill, but I also see all of the defects it could cause that actually kind of protects. Shit. 
the company. It may call right. diarrhea a little right, bit right, right, right. that shit. <laughs> right. So if you talk about a product and it's like, it may cause you lose your entire savings and then they signed on it or they did, you know, something like that, it'll, it'll be, it'll be mm. in line. Yeah. The deal with that we dealt with uh, in that capacity and then, you know, I, I would love to move on. But uh, the, deal, sure. the deal that we dealt with is that a lot of these people that got this said product actually signed NDAs and uh, contracts that said that they couldn't get a refund or whatever, they understood the risk. But the issue that I was having was an integral issue is the fact that uh, a partner that we were dealing with, it feels like they knowingly knew that that product was not going to be what it was supposed mm, to be. And I when you're, you. when you're, and this is one of the biggest things about protecting your company. When you are partnering with people, strategic partnership, you have equal say and equal whatever, you're, you're, you're expecting that everyone is going to be holding themselves to the same standard of which you operate business and that their track record actually is what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so you're just taking their word for it. Because other than that, what else can you, there's a bunch of people that say, I didn't go to college, but I made a million. I didn't go this. But having certifications and having degrees and having regulatory bodies that can be able to regulate, mm -hmm. if you are who you say that you are, bring safety to the consumer and future partners that you do have. So we didn't do our normal background checks. We didn't do our normal stuff that we typically would do that we can do our caution tales. So when a product went out into the market, it didn't go through quality assurance of products. We kind of went on, you know, what someone said, and then the product didn't do what it was supposed to do. And by the contracts they signed, they, everyone was locked into the contracts. We didn't have to give anything. Mm -hmm. But in all honesty, I didn't feel good integral-wise to be able to, yeah, and then to keep moving, like knowing the fact yeah. that, so we took a hit that we honestly could have fought, we didn't have to take. But publicly, I never wanted our brands to be associated with anything that would have done anyone ill will um, purposely. And so I think David's question wasn't more so on that part. It was like, what are the statue, statue of limits with like chargebacks? Like, how long can they so, wait? So, okay, so that, like, so that depends on the product. Okay. It depends on the product and the industry. Some can stretch as far as three years. And most credit cards, if they use a credit card, they protect it for six months. So just because on your site you say 30 days, no money back guarantee or seven days, no money back guarantee. If the banks or other regulatory bodies feel like that's predatory mm -hmm. and they wouldn't have had enough time to go through the product itself mm -hmm. to know if it was actually what it was supposed to be, then there's no way. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people do these programs to where it's like a, a, a 24 hours or seven day money back guarantee. But you, you can't even unlock the rest of the information until after the seven days. Gotcha. So how can you, how can you actually do a litmus it's test to be able to know okay. that is? And so it, you have to be able to prove that they got the information, prove that they went through the information, and prove all those other things. So it's not what people think. If you just put on your site no refunds, it doesn't work like that. Uh, because by law, if I'm a consumer and I'm using consumer products to be able to purchase your products, I am protected through the, the consumer, consumer rights uh, through that. Got you. And that's good news. I mean, that's good information for anybody that's in that digital space too. Yeah. Making sure you protect yourself in that regard. Yeah. Because, uh, like, again, whenever I think of chargebacks, I always think about the the stories I hear from my friends who are course creators, and they'll talk about how people will buy the shit, not open it, and immediately request a refund. It's like if if you were. I always just in my head. They it's got like, buyer's remorse real quick. They like just super, wanted to super quick. It's yeah. like, did you even give it a chance? But but this but this is my thing as a merchant, which is what a business is, mm -hmm. and you talking about in merchant account standards. The merchant is the business. 
the merchant processor or the bank is the ones who process the merchant accounts or whatever. So as the merchant, uh, 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 integral wise, you're supposed to you're supposed yeah. to leave that room. What's happening is that these course creators are spending the money as before as that person. Get. So if I do have buyer's remorse, I should have the right. That's a fact because I definitely return shit at the store. Everybody you can return it. stuff at Walmart. You can return stuff on Amazon. Correct. So so with you return using, stuff to Shin. Right. And so when you talk about when you talk about the merchant, if I bought it and I knew I bought it out of emotion and it, it's not a fit for me, I know I'm not ready for it. Mm-hmm. I should have a right to immediately ask for a refund and it should be granted to me without question. And so that's the difference that you see. Again, business acumen. If I'm learning how to create a course from a course creator that only created courses from someone that taught them how to create a course and there's no business basics that are taught when it comes to consumer laws or operating as a business, I think if you bought this, it's my right to keep it because I delivered something to you. And that's not protecting the consumer who's purchasing a product. If I'm running a business, that money that is spent should be in some type of reserve for a period of time. And then after that waiting period, now I can use it for my business, which goes to business management, mm-hmm. proper financial literacy on the business side mm-hmm. that's able to make sure that that's not an issue. If the money is kept on the side after you purchase and I ask for a refund back immediately and you can see I haven't opened it, what is it for you just to click refund on your merchant account and just send it right back to them? It Cause, takes nothing. Because I I, if I didn't spend the money, if it's just sitting there like it should be, and I, I'm now I'm glad you mentioned that because now I want to get into that that aspect of it, right? In the private small business society, um, you just talked about financial literacy as a business owner. Uh, kind of familiar with a few of the programs. Yeah. Uh, can you explain the certifications that are offered by the private small business society and how those how they kind of address some of these issues we're talking about here? I got it. So uh, I'll talk to you them uh, and and how we have them. Um, in like uh, almost like packaging, okay? Okay. So we have the the career pathways package, and then we have the executive fellowship package. Currently, in our executive fellowship, we have three three PhD earned doctors. We have four people that have MBAs. We have someone who actually went to the Wharton Business School, which is an Ivy League business school. That's a part of our executive fellowship. And every one of them said that our certification process is extremely extensive um, and practical for small business use. So when you talk about the different things. So okay? they're like the test group. Yeah, they're the test group. They're a paying test group. I got though. you. Yeah, but yeah, they're a test group. <laughs> hey, that, no, that's, yeah. There you go. Yeah, and so, um, and then one of, one of, one of our participants is a, a former vice president of a university. And so, and, and she's working with us to help get our certifications to partner with HBCUs as an alternative education source because of what she went through. So the information is extensive. Um, but when you talk about the different pathways, you have the career pathway and the uh, executive pathway. The career pathway teaches you all the fundamentals of small business. So we have our standard certification, which is our uh, a small business professional. And that teaches you all the basics and structures of a business from HR all the way to financial literacy as it pertains to managing books for, for businesses, customer support, product development and how to handle all those things. Because we believe, David, that if anybody is getting into a business, whether I'm being hired or I'm running a company, everyone should understand the basics, fundamentals of business. That makes sense. Again, going to that analogy, Jalen said, you can't build a house if you don't know what nails, hammers, and screws are. Correct. And so based on the ca- uh, the, the pathway, we have anywhere from working within a business as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. or working on the business as an entrepreneur. entrepreneur. We can we have different pathways that they can take. 
and it's dependent upon personality. See, here's the best thing, the biggest, biggest thing that people don't realize. A lot of people are failing at certain endeavors or certain positions in companies because their personalities don't fit the role. Mm. And so if I'm not an analytical person, I shouldn't be in any, any job positions that, that require me to be analytical. Right. I'm underperforming. And if I underperform, I don't get seen to my value. Then I think that the business doesn't value me. But in truth, I'm out of place. But that's the job that I said I wanted to do. So we do the personality test from the personality test. It tells you what your personality traits are. And then based on your personality trait, we have recommended pathways that you should take from marketing professional to operations, HR, all those things. So once they get their SBP, they can choose a specialty. The specialty is typically recommended based on their personality. Gotcha. So research analyst, product developer, operations, HR. Uh, we have a product development. We have sales professional. We have marketing professional. Uh, we have uh, these specialties, um, project management, that they can kind of get into. Once I get the specialty, then we start focusing on what industries most interest you. Mm. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And so after the specialty, the next one in that the career pathway is now executive trainer. Most people want to be managers and leaders, but never have never have been taught how to actually train someone, how to lead someone. So just because I have an opportunity doesn't mean I'm the best at leading people in that opportunity. Just because I'm good at doing a specific skill set doesn't mean that I'm actually going to be a good manager managing other people facilitating that skill set. And a lot of us have had managers that were trashy managers Max. that were really good at what they did, but were tr terrible at managing people and understanding different characteristics and learning styles to get the best out of you as a leader. So once they get that career pathway, we've literally uh, prepared them to go be a manager. Now, they don't become a manager immediately, but you can manage, you can lead, you can do those things. Yeah, you have the skills track. Correct. The skill set as well. Correct. And what we found is that there's a lot of people who actually got into the entrepreneurial role because they didn't know where to go. Mm. They didn't know where to find jobs and opportunities. They didn't know where to find careers that best fit them. If you look up statistically, statistically, uh, uh, career career minded people who are in a career field for 10 plus years have a 125 percent increase in their ability to actually produce a successful company when they launch it. 125 percent in comparison to people who have no experience that are trying to start a business off the whim of passion and not experience. So what we teach is that if you want to be a CEO, an entrepreneur, how about you go in the industry that you want to be in and you go up the pathway? You learn all the intricacies of the business. You learn the laws, the regulation, the, the hot seasons, the bad seasons, and you can get paid while you're learning. And then when you feel like you've learned everything you need to know about that industry and you get the certifications that you need, now you go and start your company in, in a better position, not coming in as a novice because that's the why the what and the when. So when you work in a career, you learn the why, what, when, and how. So when you go run your business, you already have all four of the components when we talk about our comprehension model. Now, after you go through that, then we, we have partnerships that we're building with staff and agencies. And we have thousands of businesses that we partner with that once you go through our certification process, we can get you placed. The best thing is that most people, what most people don't realize is that when you're in the entrepreneurial world and you try to go back into the career force, it's hard to get a job because they see you as unemployed for two, three, four years. And not even just that piece, too. This part up here, too. Mentally, you got to change some shit just so you can go back into the work. That's right. 
That's right. And, and, and so we, we help with that. We help that with the business, with businesses. We teach businesses how to be more forward thinking with hiring entrepreneurs. An entrepreneur is somebody that has the capabilities of being an entrepreneur. They're free minded. They think well. They think uh, against the curve. They're not yes men. They're, they're, uh, uh, they, can, they can perform on their own. You don't have to look over their shoulders. Mm -hmm. So those are the type of people that you want in management and leadership and executives. Right. And embracing getting more small business to, to embrace those type of people because what we found in our surveys is that a large majority of people that went to go start their own businesses they left not because they were looking to get rich but because they wanted to be appreciated yeah, heard feel felt feel fulfilled that my ideas that I'm bringing to the table actually are being heard and being implemented and I can be compensated for what I bring so we're changing the way even small and mid-sized businesses even see what they consider employees to be more stakeholder partners if you have an idea and we implement it why why can't I work you into the profit share for your idea to make you feel like with this innovation that I'm bringing a company, I can be compensated no matter my position because of my ability to move the company forward. So that, that that's that relationship that we're building with businesses as well as we're training people to get certified in these different endeavors. So if somebody was running a company in the career pathway, say you want to be a CEO, Jay wanted to be head of marketing and someone else wanted to be operations. Typically y'all go to YouTube university or take the same programming course mm -hmm. and try to learn stuff on the fly. Now with us, you can get certified. You can go through your CEO pathway. He can go through the marketing pathway and your partner can go through operations pathway and y'all can finish out at the same time and have all the basic knowledge to be able to make that business shake. But the beauty of it is the other side. It's the executive fellowship. Now you're talking about in the first level, which is the executive small business professional. Now you're learning how to run a department. Now you're learning how to run budgets. Now you're learning strategic partnership. Now you're learning uh, uh, um, uh, leadership on a, a much more higher level. You're talking about now you're getting prepped to run organizations that have maybe 10 and plus employees. Now you, you said this is the executive. That's fellowship. the executive fellowship. That's that executive certification process. So how does that differ from the uh, small business professional in those earlier learning tracks. Right. So the earlier learning tracks are all uh, mainly fundamental in, in specialties. Okay. Based on whatever role or position that you're playing within a business. When you go to executive small business and the senior executive small business, now you're looking at more departmental in the structure of the company as a whole. Mm -hmm. So I'm going from thinking uh, uh, in a silo based on the position I'm bringing the company or the role that I'm playing with in my business or the role I'm playing within a business to now I have to think about how my department can affect other departments, how my small business can affect other in the market in all those other cases. So that's the executive level. And then the senior executive level, you learn every department, how to run every department, research, sales, marketing, product development, every position that's needed, all, all, uh, component components of the department that's needed. Those are the people that want to be at the director, executive or CEO level of their business so they can understand the full functions of an entire company mm -hmm. so that they know where they need to be and where the company needs to be. Gotcha, mm. gotcha. So with that, what are the requirements to get into the executive fellowship and the senior executive? What's up, everyone? It's Boss Britt. And it's DJ Excel. If you're a fan of the queer culture and lifestyle, then be sure to check out and subscribe to The No Homo Show. We're a show that shares true stories that are uncut, funny, relatable, and of course, gay from a lesbian's perspective. That's right. Brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network.
Yeah, so executive, uh, executive and senior, um, they're pretty steep. In order to get an executive, you have to at least be uh, a part of a business that's been doing a half a million dollars a year on average for the last three years. Okay. You have to be managing at least 10 employees at the time and have at least three years of experience in managing. So you can be in a company that's doing that, and uh, you've managed at least 10 employees. Or if you're running a company, your company has to be doing a half a million and up. And then you can't even get into the senior executive program unless you have your executive small business certification. So these are all stepping stones where you have to complete one certification to get to the other. Other than that, everyone starts at the SBP, uh, getting that basic certification and building on top of that. Mm, so I kind of want to, we just got into a lot of it, and I kind of want to dig from the consumer side, right? Got it. Your background is in education. Yes, I was so, certified licensed to be a teacher. It sounds like a lot of thought has went into this program, right? Yeah. Um, how many years did it take you to develop this? Um, as far as certifications, uh, certifications, um, intentionally about two years. Uh, but we've been building out all of these within our businesses because we've been doing consulting for a long time. Mm -hmm. So we've been implementing these systems into businesses over a time. Um, and training, you know, employees as well as employers uh, for nearly uh, 11 years. Now, when it comes to um, the structure of the entire school, mm -hmm. that's been being built ever since, you know, I was in my education department trying to figure out how I can make that transition. But in my perspective, my biggest concern was that there's a lot of people that were teaching business or in colleges or in courses that actually never built traditional offline in online businesses. And so for me to start this institute, if you will, or this certification in professional development for it to be respected, I knew that I needed as a businessman to go out there in different industries and produce the same result mm -hmm. many times over before we built this so that people can know that the information that you're getting is not from people that regurgitated how to information. These are people that built five multi-million dollar companies from scratch, all debt free in different industries, offline and online that can help be able to position you you know moving forward so as we partner with businesses they know we're just not trainers and recruiters we know what the small business needs because we have run small businesses we actively manage small businesses and this is just a piece of one of our organizations and then two um the the the, the person that wants to go through our executive track or career pathway track they know that they're getting up-to-date information that will allow for them to stand out against the people that's going after those same clients or after those same uh, job positions so how much easier did you having the teacher experience make it like how, how much easier was it for you to develop this from that lens like okay i got experience creating curriculums yeah i've got experience with understanding that there's different learning styles. Yeah. Like what was some of that thought that went into this process? Uh, it's absolutely easy, especially when you go to school for it. So, um, and I like to toot my own horn. I was number one in my class. So uh, I took this piece seriously and then being raised amongst educators and pastors, writing lesson plans and writing books and then writing this, this is, it's, it's natural. And then writing the curriculum to make sure that it, it actually um, matches up to the different learning styles that are needed. And so understanding these learning styles, having quizzes and practicums and cornerstones and, and uh, a presentation where they can see the video, the audio, and then the books, actual curriculums that they can hold. Amir, if you can bring me the curriculums, please, the curriculums that they can hold, it brings about education as a whole to them. 
so they can be able to process the information that they need. Makes sense. And um, just kind of building on what Jalen was saying and what you were sharing with us while we're waiting on those, those yeah. me- the uh, the physical copies. What I what I can respect about it is that it's not just theory, right? This yeah. is from practice. This is something that because you've been able to build out businesses, y'all check these out, right? Check these out. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go grab a big one. Oh, look, look, at this, look, at this, look at this. That's joint. the small business executive one. Yeah. So this is the small business executive uh, fellowship, right? Yeah, that's that's the certification. So the fellowship is a combination of these two, okay. as well. Yeah. So the, the senior executive. So this is the executive fellowship. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Curriculum. Uh, yeah. yeah. Got a show. Okay. So look, Bob, that's the first one. That's the workbook that goes with that one. Oh, if y'all listening, by the way, y'all might want to go to YouTube yeah, y'all might uh, so y'all can actually out. see what we're talking yeah. about. Hey, listen, those ain't no, them, those ain't uh, 80, 80 uh, uh, big funds. Those right. are, that's, yeah, that's no, that no, good we stuff. Get, we getting into the nitty gritty here. Financial planning and analysis. Real talk. Business yeah, 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 that's right. I, I remember paying that damn money for them damn books. Yeah, but no, forget so, it. So with these these different programs, right? We're looking at curriculum here. Typically, how long does it take to get through these programs? All right. So, um, for the small business professional certification, which I believe that everybody that's working within a business, entry level, no matter the department, all the way up to executive, needs their SPP because it puts it makes make sure that everyone is on the same standard. So I can't expect for you to do right by my business if we coming from different learning mm-hmm. standards. So every business needs to be on the same standard. You're learning what I've learning and the way that I've learned. So I know that there is no gray areas when we're talking about this. So when you talk about the small business professional, it'll take two and a half to three months to finish. Um, going the career pathway with the small business professional and choosing one specialty and finishing your executive trainer track, it'll be about five to six months for you to finish. Okay, that's not bad. Yep, five to six months. And after five to six months, you do your professional development, you've passed your certifications, and all certifications are exam. Um, All of our exam certificates, as well as the digital badges, are digitally done. So the moment that you pass, when you get the passing, and then we say that you pass, you'll get your digital badge and your certification. Explain the digital badge. What digital does, it allows for employers or even clients to be able to scan your digital badge to see that you've passed certain requirements and, and and your certification is up to date. That you've done the work. And it's this it's like separating the wheat and the tear. So many people talk about all these results that they've done, but if I can go look at your badge and see this certification, I know that you're being held to some type of regulatory body mm-hmm. that you're committing to ethics in the standard of doing business. That if I don't like the way that you do business, I can report you to this regulatory body that can now look at what's going on to determine if you're going to keep your certification or not. Mm. I think that's important. I think the standard of how we operate business as a small business because of this ever growing uh, Internet world that we need something that people would opt into to say, I want to be held to the standard so that people know that if I have this certification, they know that I'm opting to do the best that I can to give you the best experience as an employee or as a client. Mm. So that's, uh, so it'll take about five and a half to six months to complete. And then going through the executive fellowship is a three year program. So when you talk about, if you were to go from beginning to end, you're talking about three and a half to four years to finish. Uh, but by the time you finish, you're absolutely going to be considered 
somebody who knows business, the in and outs. And when you get to the executive fellowship side, a lot of it is practicum too as well, which means implementation. We spend a lot of time doing homework, case studies. Um, they got to submit homework. They got to submit product pitches, all this, all, a bunch of types of stuff to make sure that they are actually implementing the information that they're receiving. Mm, that's so good, man. And as, you, as you're describing this, I'm thinking of it like, a vocational MBA, right? Yeah, it's like a vocational business school. Yep, like a sure. vocational business school where you can come in, actually learn these skills and yep. implement along the way. Uh, and I think it's a great idea with what like you're building out here with PSBS because myself, right, getting into business, it, it resonates with my story. Yeah, uh, We got into business as people fresh out of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't really know what it is exactly we wanted to do. We know our talents was being wasted at our jobs. I got you. It was making like 30K a year. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Frustrated. Like, man, fuck it. Entrepreneurship, the only way we're going to make some money. Right. So, like, you get online. We don't really have the whole business acumen. We don't have this base knowledge. I was a biology major in right. college. I ain't going to learn all that shit these other guys learn. That's right. So, like, it was purely off the muscle. And, yes, we've been able to build something amazing. Y'all have done great, too, by the way. So, I, I went to school for business, but even with that, they teach you. Can, can we, we talk yeah, about that? We, we yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, it earlier. Yeah. They teach you the theory. Like yeah. I wanted to tell y'all that earlier. Like my projects, I think I had like three or four projects total yep. that I had to do. One of them was like a marketing project where I had to market a business. Uh, another one was this like senior level project. I don't even remember what the but fuck. Like I had whenever to do. you say you're but, doing these projects, there's no real world experience. So, so like, this is simulation. Yeah, like, yeah, like so, that type so, of... So for in our world and what we believe, like, so we have the CEO pathway. Mm-hmm. If you want to be an a, a entrepreneur, you want to be a, a you want to run a business. It's our, it's, it's, it's in our intention because the difference between like a vocational route of us versus like you were saying university, mm-hmm. vocationals like trade schools, those things, those are more practical directly to the job force. Um, college is more theoretical, but like theory, broad range and thinking. you to get your experience through... Internship. Now watch this. Now my issue that I have with colleges, okay, you spend a bunch of money on recruiting people to your institution, but not the same money in placing people. Ooh, that's, that's the problem that's that I have with universities. So right I'm, I'm making all this money to get you in. I want to keep you. I want to get you to buy the books. I want you to get you all this other stuff. Job, but bro. you got to go. Like, bro, there were so many times where I saw my peers, um, like trying to go find internships and don't even know where to look. So it is my it's, and it's in my heart. If I go the to most school, do is a career day type shit for you. Facts. And in, in my case, if I'm going to school for entrepreneurship, I should be leaving this camp with a business that's operating, that's producing some type of income, that's done the research, not getting this idea to pitch it to investors or to get funding. It should be already enacted. If I am going through my track where I want to uh, eventually be a COO or a CMO or CTO or head of research. I need to be in industry. I need to be placed with a company that will allow for me to stretch my wings and to implement all this stuff that I learned. And then when I finish that contract or that period, I can come back to PSBS and say I'm ready for my second placement. And then PSBS places you with something that's a little higher, that's a little bit more challenging, that can build your portfolio. So by the time they go through our program, if they go through it the right way, we do the placement for them. 
So from one career or from one industry or to in the same industry or from different industries, we're placing you to build these portfolios so that you can make money while implementing what you're learning. And they all know that you're not going to be with them but one, two, three years. And if you love it there, you can sign to come full time. If you don't, we can replace you with someone else that wants that position and then get you another placement. It's really bridging the gap because on the staffing agency side, they just find what you already know how to do. Mm -hmm. They look at your resume and they try to go get you some type of entry level positions that you can do whatever contract on the college side. They just want to teach you theory. And then like a fat ass check in the process facts. And then on the trade school side, it's only specific to an industry. So what makes us different is that we're not specific to an industry. We're teaching all of the basic fundamental principles that can allow for anyone to be able to adapt post any industry. Then we place them in the industries that they want mm -hmm. so that they can get the experiences that they need. And then we continue to move it from there. So we're a hybrid of a college a university and a trade school and staffing uh, agency all in one to ensure that these people that need better jobs and opportunities can actually get the training and support that they need to be able to grow and expand. Mm -hmm. So is your goal to become accredited? Uh, it just depends on regional and national. So the, the thing with accredited, and a lot of people have it misunderstood. When it comes to accreditation, most accreditation has a lot to do with uh, wanting to get federal funding. If I want to get accredited, that means I want federal funding so that the federal, the, the, uh, somebody can fill out FAFSA and get money from the government so that the government can be able to see it. Or two, um, I want the accreditation because I don't have the network of businesses already or a network of people already. So I can leverage this accreditation to say, hey, you know, uh, I'm accredited. I'm accredited so that's why you should work with me. But we don't need it because, one, we've already been proven in the business world. Two, we already have Man, thousands of businesses. Streets, nigga. Yeah. I, we already have thousands of businesses that already see our they see our concept and want to work with us. We have businesses that already agreed, Jaylee and D, to say, hey, listen, we'll be we'll be the uh, apprentice company where they can come every six months to a year. We can give them six months to a year contract where they can come work it out because all we have in our budget is $20 a month. Just twenty dollars. I mean, twenty dollars an hour. All we got is twenty dollars an hour. We don't want any more top level positions. We we want to keep this thing where it is, but we want innovation to continue to have it in and out the business. Well, guess what happens? I can continue to place somebody for their first six month or year contract within an industry that they have no experience with a company that knows that they're training them to go to another go to another position. So when you have those relationships. You don't need accreditation to back you up. The only thing that is needed now is for uh, for, you know, people that matriculate through the program for them to actually see the results. And we've already seen it. We've had people sell their companies. We have people buy businesses. We've had people get promotions uh, yeah. uh, up to thirty thousand dollars increase in promotions. We had people uh, lock in their first contracts where they opted out from being an employee because they wanted to be a contractor. And then was able to lock in one hundred and fifty, one hundred and eighty thousand dollar contract when the salary is only going to pay them eighty thousand dollars. See, we are already have these things working so when you have the function of it working proof of concept in the relationship directly with the people no middleman i don't need an accrediting by accredited accredited body to try to take credit of stuff that we've built already so that you can build the accreditation off of us and we don't have any ownership in, the, in that accreditation our goal is to become the accreditation for small businesses moving forward and professionals ourselves. So tagging ourselves to another regional or national certification or accrediting body that has been proven not to be open to change. 
all the businesses or a schools, excuse me, or trade schools that end up getting accredited end up all operating the same way because the same regulatory bodies are held by the same people that are being held to the old traditional way of education. And I don't know if people have seen by now, don't nobody trust universities and schools no more. Now nah, that trust factor is falling. I keep seeing, I seen an article recently uh, that said that enrollment by black students was at the lowest it's been probably since the eighties. And this is what you got to understand. Oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you brought this up. When they took vocational and trade schools out of high schools, mm -hmm. you saw the black communities begin to suffer. Black, Latino and minority. We call them a uh, BIPOC. You got you got black, indigenous people of color. Mm -hmm. OK, when you have that BIPOC, uh, uh, that, that group of people, we all needed mm -hmm. we we needed That's to go straight to the real blue collar work bro, made money. Most of us that actually made money. And let me talk about oh a mechanic. Oh, oh, we finna we finna talk <laughs> let, about let, let's this. Let's get into it. Because listen, when you think about the notion of where majority of our wealth and stability came from, it came from trade school. Because yeah. we, as a BIPOC people, we could not afford to not go straight to the workforce to help mom, dad, sister, cousin, brother, auntie out. We had to go work. So but when universities saw a commodity and they pushed trade schools out of high schools and start forcing people to go straight to universities, Gosh. now I got to get hired uh, by some by this big enterprise or whatever, and I'm learning stuff that's not even applicable to the trade that I actually want. And let me get even further more in detail and why, why course creators today and gurus today are destroying our economy and not realizing. Let me tell you why. Because you do not judge the the quality of an uh, of an economy based on money flowing in and out. You judge the quality of an economy based on its workforce, its labor force. So if you have a group, a generation of people that do not want to work, and they want easy money because what's been marketed is that that's the only way you can make the money of your desire, your dreams in this online space and not real actionable traditional or, or hybrid type of career opportunities. Now I'm, I'm creating a whole group of people that's not going to want to work. That's why we have 9.6 million job openings open right now in America. 9.6. Forget what they telling you on this internet. They saying jobs and people laying off. There's 9.6 million job openings open right now. There's 806,000 in the, in, in the state of Texas of job openings right now. And you know, and I, I want to clarify that. Cause like, when people hear that, oh man, it must be jobs nobody want. No, nah, you go look. It's jobs that people want. They quality. I, I, I'm I'm out of work right now looking at shit. They got people listing COO, CEO, bro. These facts. Are all jobs, but that are but available. but let, let me break it down to you. You know, ninety percent of the people, quote unquote, running businesses as bosses today would never even be able to land a CEO job that's open right now? Oh, I'm 100% uh, sure. You, I, I wouldn't land a CEO job. And, and let me tell you why. Because they ask you, what are all the, what, ha, what, what departments have you managed? What has been the largest organization that you've had? And you got all these people teaching all this crazy stuff, bro. Uh, uh, automate everything, just use technology, have no staff. And then when the I'm market changes. Brought that back up because I want to get into that <laughs> after this. But when the market going. changes and you got to go back to work, the job force only sees you as a marketer or a salesperson, which is why majority of entrepreneurs only can get jobs in sales or, or in marketing 
or customer support maybe at the entry level because honestly running your online business that's all you actually did majority of people cannot go get ceo jobs right now and there's a lot of opportunities that are open to diverse ceos um, but we can't even qualify for those positions because we're not equipped for those positions to even man those positions themselves that makes sense because mm. you can't really call yourself now, a that CEO. Ball on fire right yeah, now <laughs> you can't call yourself a ceo if you don't have a staff right and if you don't have an executive suite, because like what, what, what was the statistic? I was just looking at this. Ooh, ninety four percent. Ain't even got a board of directors. Yeah, what? So how you a CEO? Ninety four percent of black owned businesses are single member LLC. So it's yeah. like sole owner. That's just person, not black though. They don't have staff. Yeah. That's not black. That's that's I, that most businesses. Yeah, yeah most businesses. Yeah. I know for black people, it's high. That's facts. Like I want to say the general number is somewhere in the eighty percentile, and for black people, we're like. 94 95% of our firms don't employ people. That's right. It's like, how can you call yourself a CEO? Like you just said, if all you got is some Zapier integrations, uh, a, a couple, like you just leveraging technology. That's it. Basically. But you don't have a team. Barely leveraging. You pay somebody to build it, and now you just call yourself a boss. And then on top of that, oh my gosh, there's so much to. Uh, all right, so. Let's just stay. So, so let, let's let's just talk about this. Let's just talk about the fundamental function of what a a small business is supposed to bring to the economy. A small business within a community, taxes, job opportunities. Uh, uh, um, when you look at uh, donations and foundations created or grants given in a community, is given by small businesses. Jobs and opportunity. Sixty one percent of the job force is small business. Yet everyone online is talking about how you don't need to hire is too much of a burden. No, being an entrepreneur and a CEO is a responsibility that you have, that you must provide jobs and opportunity, that you must provide career advancement, or you must be a some type of place that you add value to the community that you're in because the community needs small businesses to thrive because the backbone of America is built off of small businesses. Mm. That's why they give us all them tax breaks. So, so even in this concept, oh, you think Amazon wasn't paying taxes, bro. Amazon is built off of small businesses. Thanks. They hire small businesses. Go to, to Amazon and buy right now. Free. Small businesses yeah. are the ones that are facilitating, facilitating marketing. And That's why it's fulfilled by Amazon. So, if if you even look at it, at its core, so for small businesses to 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 even operate, like, bro. Uh, there's a study that says, can't think of the study right now, but I know it's in a report. Uh, or if it's not, it's going to be, um, it's in one of the white paper. We do um, on uh, LinkedIn for sure. We do white paper Wednesdays now for every, every Wednesday. We, we have a white paper that we go over to kind of keep people up to date on what they need to be paying attention to. So it says that the average small uh, business entrepreneur, this is including all demographics, not just black, makes about $75,000 a year on their own. But the average small um, small business entrepreneur, a solo entrepreneur, works seventy to ninety hours a week. I can believe it. Now watch this. Realistic. Let's do some math. This that's is least, this is seventy five thousand. Ten hour days every day. Jay, this is seventy five thousand dollars a year, not including taxes being taken out. So seventy five thousand divided by uh, let's say 80, 80 hours a week times four. You're probably getting paid about ten dollars an hour. Times twelve months. That's uh, uh, eighty hours a week times four. Times twelve months, uh, three thousand eight hundred and forty. Okay, so seventy five thousand divided by three thousand eight hundred and forty, you're getting paid nineteen dollars an hour. Oh my god! Then you take away taxes, you're getting you're getting paid a, a, a thirteen 10, to fifteen dollars an hour. 
Not including if you got a couple of people that you pay on time. You're getting paid $12 an hour. So, okay. So, yeah. most managers well, actually $10. take home more. <laughs> most managers will take home more than. I, I, I'm on their side of it, Jake. They got their freedom. What freedom? How do you have freedom when you, you have to work 80 to 90 days. hours a week? What freedom? What's free? Free is when nobody else can tell me who to be. <laughs> that's Meek Mills for you. I didn't know I had no rap in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was trying to, <laughs> yeah, that's that Meek Mill, yeah. Jay Z, and Nas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jay Z. That's yeah. that was free. Yeah, Jay Z was. On. But so, so you talk about that. How can you claim that you're free and you're 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 a slave to the very thing that you claim was your freedom ticket, and you don't even know how to operate out of it because you left your job. Which where you were an employee, employee. Here's another marker. Well, you, you was an employee where you didn't have to leave and think about that shit. Nothing. Now, yeah. it's all on you, baby. You wake up thinking about that shit. You thinking about the shit while you're dreaming. Fucking your logo chasing you in your dreams. Facts. Facts. It's a, your logo chasing you. No. So, 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 so even if. Y'all are dumb. They go, oh, the lion facing you. Oh, no, 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 I want to sleep. No, God. Your I just want to break. The business of your dreams. Well, think about it. You have no paid time off. You have no benefits. Most, most small business owners don't even have benefits. You have no benefits. You have no insurance. You ain't been to the you dentist in five that years. Paying you all that shit out your pocket. You paying everything out your pocket. You these are these these are truths. When you go on vacation, you working on a vacation. These are all the stuff that you have. You have no vacation. Mm -hmm. When you when you when you talking about when you talk about social media, uh, uh, let's talk about the influence. You spend more time finding content, creating the content, editing the content, and then interviewing people and finding who to interview and then dealing with that and answering the comments. Before you know it, you taking your computer, your laptop, and everything everywhere. Y'all heard me? I don't even. I'm not. I don't even have Instagram on my phone. He did tell us that. I was and like, content go up every lie. day on his I page. Got, I got a little jealous whenever that nigga said that. That nigga said, "I ain't got Instagram on my phone." I don't have Instagram, I was bro. Like, what? You you can't you cannot see there is no Instagram you see no Instagram on my phone only thing I have on my phone I don't LinkedIn. even know what that is that's, but LinkedIn that's old Twitter that's <laughs> I got LinkedIn X is Twitter well Twitter is and X content X. go up every day on all of the platforms see what I'm saying yeah so when we talk about the fundamentals yes I'm glad that you learned how to how to make money that is great. But now let me teach you, if you truly want to be an entrepreneur, let me teach you how to be a CEO. Let me teach you how to really run your business. If you got partners, let me train all of you. Let us train all of you. If you know that this entrepreneur world ain't for you, but you just don't know where to get to, you got a felony. Do you know that most felons actually don't want to run their own business? They prefer stable, consistent income because when they were in that's jail, their, they had that. Yeah, that's just the only option is a business. So when you get your certification through us, getting that certification, us doing our character check on you, do you know that that's going to weigh heavier than your background check of your felony when we place you? Because you already got the relationships with staff and agencies. And businesses. So you ain't got to fake no more. Now when you can run your business, you can actually go get training and then run your business on the side. And let me just say this. This is a call to action to a lot of small business owners. It's also your fault for the mid-market mid and small business. It's your fault because you didn't have an open enough uh, uh, um, organizational structure where you allowed for your team and your staff to be innovative. You, need, you didn't allow for them to build their own businesses. There's so many small business owners that could be a lot more stacked if you invested in your staff that had business ideas that they learned through your business that they wanted to go spin off on their own. We need more small businesses to be accepting of entrepreneurs, 
people that have the entrepreneur swag, but they're not ready mm -hmm. yet to run a business and handle all of the responsibilities that come with it. I don't know how many entrepreneurs say that they didn't understand what IRS was. That's that's scary. That is scary. That's the same scary. IRS that take out money out your taxes every time. Every paycheck. Same ones that's going to knock on your door in about four or five years because you ain't yeah. been paying them at the end yeah. of the year. Yeah. yeah. Where did you keep your paper records? You're being audited. Jay, you had a question? You said you, you had a question for me. Uh, I did have a question about the automation uh, part, yeah. right? So automation and anti-hiring like do you feel like there is a area for it in the job in in your business or are you just totally like anti-automation i love automation okay. but I, but i it bro nothing in this world will work if people aren't involved mm. what is automation if people don't push the buttons and make it smarter and activate it automation is just all it is is just fulfilling tasks that are mundane and what it would do, it would make the workforce become more innovative and think better. Because now, instead of doing the Correct. small day-to-day -to -day tasks, now so you there are going to be jobs open. A lot of people are scared. Oh, automation is going to take our jobs. No, it's not. Automation. Once you learn automation, now you have a job in making sure that the automation works efficiently and effectively. Mm -hmm. It just elevates the way that we do the same very thing. So I think that small business, especially people that's been learning the how tos, can actually go find jobs and fulfillments within market, a, a small and mid-sized businesses, get them fifty to eighty thousand dollars a year, helping them with their automation structure implementation, uh, uh, efficiency models, and then be able to negotiate in their contract. If I'm able to help you become 40, 15%, 15, 4 to 15% more efficient, can I at least get 5% of that efficiency so that I can get them bonuses and making the company operate better? People get what you negotiate, but if you don't know how to negotiate, you think that being well, in this entrepreneurship world is the only place where you, you know where you can be. And I'm telling y'all this right now. A lot of you all are struggling and you don't have to struggle. That's real. Let that weigh on your spirit a little second. Let it, let it, let it. We just said it. We just said it before, man. Look, you gotta go get a job, bro. Don't be embarrassed, like I said, because it's it's a, it, and like you just mentioned, Jake, it's not always like the same thing that what you left originally. Correct. To me, that was my whole thing. It's like I'm getting paid nothing. I don't feel valued here. I can go do this on my own because I'm making more money over here. Can I tell you why you felt that way though? Which is why majority of people feel that way is because you don't understand all the functions of the business. That's 100% a fact. That's why getting that SBP is important. The very base uh, flagship certification that we have. Because if every person that you hired understand every function of the business, you'll say, yes, I'm just doing customer support, but I wouldn't have nobody to call if sales wasn't closing, if marketing wasn't marketing, if product development didn't create a product that sales could sell, that market can market. My job is just a small piece of a silo. Mm -hmm. So, yes, I don't feel valued because you're not doing anything more valuable to the organization. Just you a just, cog yeah. in the wheel. You got to figure out how to move up the ladder across Correct. Over. And a lot of people yeah. have unrealistic expectations of what it takes to move the needle, which is why when they start their own business and they hire people, they don't even know how to communicate it because you don't even have full, uh, full respect for the work and, and job force. And let me just be clear. 100% of the people selling courses and products right now making 100% of their money from people that have traditional jobs. <clears throat> Talk to them. So even the economy right now 
that's being stimulated by the gurus and course creators, their money in their pockets are being stimulated from the dreams being sold from average, everyday working world. And then when they lose or it doesn't work, they got to go back to their job, save up money again to try to take another one of your fake products. And that's a fact. And we can't deal with that fact. We can't understand the importance of the workforce and labor force. So the reason why my staff love me is because I was a great employee. I've always been a great number two. I've always been a great number three. I've excelled in every position that was given to me. So when I'm talking to my team, they stay with me. You want to know why? Because they understand how important that one role is for the entire wheel of the business. So when you don't answer the phone, you talk to somebody crazy in customer support, do you not understand the effects that that has us on financially? And if it affects us financially, do you know what that means for your job and position? Mm. It make it, it, make it uh, a whole lot harder to quantify why you should be here. And then to me, it just makes it clear. It makes people more invested. That's right. They understand the mission. Yes. It's not like, oh, I didn't talk to this person. Oh, well. It's like, nah, I'm dropping the ball and it's going to affect this person in this department and now this, fucking we, up can the money. A, we can lose a client that's 50% of our payroll because I don't know how to act. And, and guess what? And you were just tired of dealing with them. We got a bunch of clients, man. I ain't finna deal with that. And you don't know, they took up 50% of the retainer. So now they leave and now you mad because I got to let you off. I got to let your entire department go. And you don't think into your head that it was your fault. But then it also goes back to the owner of that company. What trainings and certification processes and investment did you put into your staff? What was the standard you set? To make sure that they understood the weight of that. See, it, 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 it go both ways with it. It go both ways. And that's why PSBS is standing in the gap as a bridge. We're going to check these small business and, mar uh, and mid-sized business owners and executives to get them to understand the importance of being transparent. And then for the smaller, uh, you know, for the professionals, we're going to make sure that we keep them up, you know, up to standard to make sure that everyone understands each weight. Because if you don't understand each weight, it's crazy. It's going to be crazy. Bro, I saw something on TikTok, and this is what let me know PSBS is needed. There was a young lady. She's working for a company. She was like, I'm working for a company, and this white manager, this white man keep being on my neck. Like, I don't know what I'm doing because there was uh, somebody did graffiti on, like, a little box outside of their office. Mm -hmm. And um, the city is shut down. Something's going on with the, with the judicial or whatever. They're, they're backlogged or something's yeah. going on. And the manager told the young lady, a black woman, and she was like, he was like, can you put in the order? So that we can, you know, have the orders of the city come out. She gets on TikTok. I, the only reason I have this job is because I just want to pay my bills. And he acting like I don't know what I'm doing. It doesn't make sense to send the order in if nobody's coming in the first place. But business sense will tell her the reason why he's telling you to put the order so in, in the queue. is so that you're in the what? Queue. And why is the queue important? Because it's going to go from first to last order. So if the, if the city is backlogged already. He's telling you to submit the order so that they can be in the queue. Whenever they finally do. But get she to didn't it. submit it and she got rolled up. So she went to TikTok mad about discrimination, not being micromanaged by people that don't even understand. If they're not coming out in the first place, why would I send it in? That's not your responsibility. Uh, that That's not your responsibility to figure to figure out if it makes sense or not. Just do the job. But it's the company's responsibility to make sure that they understand why. Gotcha. Because it, it, that's important too. Because 
as an adult, you don't ever want to just be blindly told what to do and just doing it because that's how you end up feeling not valued, right? You don't feel like you have thoughts or opinions that are valued. So if you understand the the if she was able to understand like, yo, this is why I need you to do this. This is the function this plays in the business. It makes it that much more reasonable, right? Like, but but it shows you uh, the the inadequacies of both sides of the coin. Mm-hmm. Just because you have a degree, I think I believe the young lady had her MBA. Just because you have a degree doesn't mean that you really understand the function of business, and just because you're hiring at a job as a manager and executive doesn't mean it doesn't mean that you know like that the, 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 yeah. the communication is the same. But if everyone was told to get an SBP, now you understood like oh. That goes back to our, we have our, our, our training model. We call it the, um, the comprehension quadrant. Mm-hmm. So the first portion of it is the why. Why is this position, role, or industry important to the entire ecosystem of the business, the market, or the economy? Why is it important? Now, what about this role do I need to know? Regulations, functions, uh, uh, a knowledge base, comprehension. What do I need to know? What's all the things I need to know to make sure that I am knowledgeable of how, how to be able to maneuver with this role? The third thing of the comprehension quadrant is the when. When do I implement the stuff that I know now? When is the right time to do it? When is it important to, imp- uh, to, to, to send this, uh, this order in? Mm-hmm. When? When is it perfect, important to, uh, to launch this product in this market? The last portion of the quadrant, the comprehensive quadrant, is the how. And yes, it's ours. We built it. You can't find it. It's the how. Now it's how do I do it? How do I implement it? How, what, what, how do I use the skills that I know to be able to make sure I can get the job done? But if I'm hiring someone just on their how and expecting that they know the why, what, and when, I'm going to be mad as a manager, as a leader, and as an owner with the fact that why would you do that? Well, I know how to put the technology or or how to create a graphic. No, I know I how to do my videos together. I, I just put it up because I know how. But you, it's not the right time to put out that reel. It's not the right time to promote that product. It's not the right time to have that strategic partner. You know how to create strategic partnerships, but how you do it, when you do it, and what needs to be implemented before you do it, that's more important than the how. You can hire consultants to do the how, but knowing the what, why, and when, everybody fundamentally needs to understand that. And if we do not change that, I'm telling y'all this right now. You can mark my words. If this doesn't happen, I'm very scared of our future in this country with our generation and the younger generation moving forward if they're going to be the staples of small business moving forward. I'm very scared. And that's why PSBS is something that is needed. And that's why you got our support with it, brother. I definitely want. I appreciate y'all being that, sponsors yeah, too. Yeah, no, anybody no problem, that man. anybody we, we, that definitely is like looking because outside of just the certification side, there's also a community for PSB. Oh yeah, right? we have professional development over 490 hours now of uh, professional development training. The how tos we call that the how to side. Uh, you know how to do Facebook advertising, how to do marketing, how to run your operations, how to run your HR. These are the how tos, and we're continuously going to add to it. Gotcha. So, for somebody that wants to be involved in either the society or in the certification program, how do they get involved? Yeah, all you got to do is go to uh, thepsbs.com and then um, you know click uh, join. There'll be a clip, like a um, a document that you can f- fill out, and then one of our recruiters will reach out to you and see if it's a fit for where you want to go with your career. And um, if our certifications actually match you, and if it is, we do have financial aid 
to where you can actually uh, uh, apply and get approved and walk through with zero money down. And you can get enrolled into our program um, and then start monthly payments for your certification pathway uh, after a month of being with us. Hey, and then uh, so also the other side, once they go through that, the placement, yeah. is that going to be implemented right off the bat as well? Yep. So um, placement, uh, it'll be about somebody go through the pathway that's needed. Um, uh, the placement begins to happen once they start getting into their ET, their executive trainer advance. We start looking for placements that actually make sense for them. Gotcha, because you need to know the industry. Correct. And but we also um, look at how engaged they were with their professional development on the other side. Because the certification teaches you the knowledge base and situational, but the professional development side teaches the how. So if I want to get a specialty in operations, I need to be or have watched a lot of trainings on professional development side, which is the society on operations and structure and stuff like that. So that when we're placing you, the person that we're placing you with knows that you're up to date on the know-how and kind of implementing. And the best part about being a part of our community while you're getting placed is the fact that you can always call and ask us uh, with our open houses, our, um, our open hours that you can ask us. These things are going on within the company. How can I, you know, be a better add to them? And we can continue to give you that advice that you need moving forward. Okay, that's a bit. That's a so bit. the placements are good. And your first one or two placements won't always be the big dinger, right? Uh, the first one or two placements, those are your, uh, we just want to get skills. you more per hour than you're actually getting uh, so you can prove your skill sets. If you already are coming with uh, a proven uh, record within your business that you ran for some time or a history with that, we'll be able to use that a part of your resume and then get you, you know, higher placements uh, to do it. But, our, you know, our overall goal is uh, potentially in the future we want to be placing uh, top level executives within small and mid-sized businesses all over the country. So listen, guys, y'all want to get involved with PSBS, man, Private Small Business Society. We're going to have a link down there in the show notes for y'all. Y'all know we always got that for y'all. Y'all check it out. I encourage everybody to read the the State of Small Business Rolling Report. Very interesting insights in there, man. I'm not going to lie to nobody. Very interesting insights. It's like he is not just talking here, guys. It's, when you start looking at the, analytical the quantitative data, data yeah. Behind this thing, we talked about it earlier in the episode. Man, them 200 questions, they get real deep. And a lot of them, the answers, you, I'm like, oh, shit. And you see the percentage of people what they're answering. You're, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're like, it's like some of these no's are concerning. No budget? No financial plan? No, uh. You don't you don't know what a uh, balance sheet is? Oh, no, no financial projections? None of that. I was like, yeah, man. I mean, you would think, too. Like, cause our business, we ain't making two billion plus a year. Yeah, yeah. You would think once somebody gets to that scale, that's considered a successful business. Right. That this would be something that they're doing, but a lot of time, a lot of times we're out here just winging it. And they're hemorrhaging cash, um, and they're and they are um, affecting uh, their future exit or even successfully passing down uh, their business to heirs or successors. And so I want to I want to start this by I want to end my piece by saying this, uh, J and D is that. This was built off of a broken place for me. Um, as a CEO, I found so many areas that I was weak at, subpar at, um, that I tried to overshadow with other things that the, 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 the bigger you grow, you just can't. Uh, you, have to, you have to train. And so fortunately and unfortunately, I learned my weaknesses and I, and I, and I grew from them from a $4 million loss. Um, and our goal is to actually teach and train people in the right way from the areas that we failed at. 
what we didn't do good at, but also in the areas that we are good and capable mm -hmm. at as well. And so when we talk about these dynamics, yeah, listen, we have some powerful people coming to the PSBS to come and work with us and help build curriculums. People from Goldman Sachs, people from Deloitte. Um, we got some people from uh, uh, educational institutions that are going to come and add value too. So we talk about becoming a standard, uh, or just us recruiting and our team and what we're looking to build. It's going to be something magical um, looking forward. Hey, man. I'm, I'm excited, excited to see where this goes. Once again, we're happy to sponsor this. Yeah, I appreciate uh, Happy that. to just see what you guys are building over there and uh, addressing we, a need in the yeah, market that needs we to We know be that a lot of small businesses are going to change yeah. through this and uh, we're going to strengthen the small business in America. Yeah, so that's good. I, I, I'm going for it, yeah, man. Yeah. I love it. Yes, indeed. So before we kind of get into the last segments of the show, it was something that we posted that I wanted to talk about okay. uh, today. So economists are predicting that the Fed is going to cut interest rates six times in yeah. the next year. Uh, they're saying that right now the economy is showing signs of cooling off. The jobs market is still pretty strong. 9.6 um, million open right now still, yep. Yeah, so they say it's a strong job market. Uh, and in terms of inflation, things have been slowing down. So I just kind of want to get y'all opinions on what do y'all think, how that would affect the business landscape, right? Because in this rising inflation in interest rate environment, we noticed and it got a lot, a lot bleaker for a lot of businesses. Yeah. I know they said Black Friday this year was one of the biggest online, but nobody was in stores shopping. Yeah. And that's a whole other aspect Correct. of it. So I just kind of want to get y'all opinion on what do y'all, what does that outlook from economists kind of think for you with business? Um, uh, the prices aren't going down, though. You believe so? I seen a thing Joe Biden was talking about, uh, like businesses are overcharging at this point because inflation is un yeah. yeah inflation is under control yeah and prices aren't going down and I don't see businesses doing going down on prices as long as we continue to pay yeah uh, Exxon Mobil pulled the greatest finesse of all time hell yeah a couple years ago twenty twenty two yeah they did yeah whenever gas prices was super high uh -huh. that summer. They're like, yeah, man, the supply chain issues. And then they double back. They're like, we had our best quarter ever. Record, yeah. record earnings. 12 billion profit. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, y'all bitches. Yeah, yeah, facts. But but the thing is, is that a lot of people are holding their breath for the market and prices to go back to what they used to be. Yeah. But I don't foresee. Because you got to think about it. If Why would the housing market drop its prices again? And so once again, this is taking it, looking at it from an economic lens too. It's supply versus demand and all of that yeah, too. Demand, like the, still the supply, supply for for the, yeah, like the supply for the homes is not there. Um, we got jobs, yep. but do we have the supply of the human resources who can fill those said jobs? Yes, or do they even want to fill those jobs? Yeah. So once again, those are some of the things that I'm kind of looking at. Uh, I do think for the prices to fall, it's going to have to be something astronomical. Major like once again, like event. what you just said with Black Friday, a lot of people weren't in the store, so or buying online. Of, yeah, they had a bulk <laughs> of product in there. Are they just going to ship that product online, and now you know that covers for that, or did they actually put in an over you know produce product that's now going to sit on the shelves and now it's got to come let down me, because we got to move it. let me ask y'all a question when have y'all seen gas go back to 99 cent she nah, not but i have seen it go down more to but what? 99 cent nah. what's the lowest gas been since we've been adults like two something like in 2020 that shit was low nigga it was what what it was like it wasn't a dollar 90 
that that gas was kind of cheap. Around. Nah, man, that bro. shit wasn't that cheap, bro. That gas was kind of cheap. I ain't cheap. never paid I, less than two dollars for gas. I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen when the interest rates go down. People are gonna start borrowing more. You got more liquidity. That's, 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 that's all. And they're just gonna start cycle. buying products cycle, at this price that it is currently. It's an economic so again, cycle. You got pumping. It, you got contracting. That's correct. And all of that shit right now. Until something happens to make us contract, it, it is what it is. I mean, they've been forcing contraction, right? That's why they've been raising interest rates. They're trying to make it get to that soft landing. But to Jake's point. Well, how'd your prices drop? <laughs> but exactly. People are still spending yeah, money. still spending that's, money. That's yeah. what I'm getting across, too. Like, people are still spending money unless it's something astronomical that says we're not spending money. These products are not moving. The, the, the demand is not there. We're not going to cut the prices. Yeah. And if interest rates go down, prices just going to actually start going back up again. Because you got to think about it. There's money's back flowing. Yeah. So the only reason that people people aren't buying is because money's not flowing as fluid. So when you, like when you, it's it's kind (laughs) of, that's that's all that it is. And so again, it's going to go right back to uh, business fundamentals and structure. And just to make sure, you know, it's good. Because all I see is that if we don't stop, you're going to see a bunch of people on TikTok, on Instagram, because Meta just did a deal with Amazon that they're going to start. They're going to create some type of Amazon shop like TikTok shop has with really? Meta. Yep. Um, they did it uh, uh, within I mean, the last couple of months. It makes sense because they've been they really had, had, the, they've been had the shopping features. But yeah. with Amazon, that's that's a different. Yeah, they, yeah. they didn't activate That's a different level of insight with Amazon, like how they just did that right. Black Friday But TikTok's deal. smashing right now. TikTok smashing. Talk about that. How much time we got left on this one? I mean, let's see. Oh shit. Yeah, TikTok smashing right now. And so you think about it. Now you got a bunch of influencers and people, a bunch of influencers and people. They're just now just working for these platforms without any guarantee or nothing of income that can change at any time. Comp schedules can change at any time. There's no say so. So if we don't fix small business America, everybody's gonna just be working for these big enterprises, and. That's going to be a, working for a non-guaranteed a paycheck. non-guaranteed paycheck enterprise. Fuck that. That is scary. Fuck that. Think about it. And they can change comp plans at will. And they can change. Uh, uh, they, they can make it harder for you to get certain products sold or there's so much stuff that can be changed. Yeah, and you see Amazon so many people sure do be competing with them. Amazon basics. I tell you, bro. Hell yeah. Well, shit, we can uh, wrap this one up, man. Um, do you want to do the uh, questions? Because I, I mean, know we didn't we, ask them. Yeah, the I, uh, yeah, we, we that's why. I was, so I, uh, we already know history is important to this man. Yeah, <laughs> so we we not we're not even gonna go into that last spill <laughs> and everything. Uh, Jake, once again, appreciate you for the hospitality. Appreciate you, for me, appreciate you for coming on. Uh, we love what you're doing with the private small business society. Uh, you seeing the need in the community as a whole, as America, it doesn't matter the color or anything like that. But just seeing that. The state of where small businesses are. Appreciate you for making this product, man. Uh, I am going to be in enrolling in this as well. So it's gonna be good. we, we going through education. this. Yeah, yeah. We're we going through this as well. So uh, you got any final words, you know, let them know where they can follow you. Yeah. Once again, let them know where they can go to, uh, to get into the society or once again, can they just do the professional development if they, uh, yeah, like they, if they just want to do professional development and they don't want to get into the certification, they can just join the society as annual a membership. Okay. So they can get the professional development they, that they need. If they wanted to just see how we train and how we teach, they can, 
joined the uh, private small business society on the professional development side just to get a gauge of how we teach and how involved our community is. We currently have over 2,020 active members uh, that are inside of our community right now all over the country. Um, and honestly, all over the globe, because we do have some people that's in our society that run million, uh, they have a million dollar plus uh, YouTube platforms that's in India. Like we got some, we got some, we got some quality people that's within our society right now that I'm excited about, regardless of color, black, white, Puerto Rican, Asian. I love it. I love it. Money green. It's Black Wealth Renaissance, and you know we love to see green money. Yeah, y'all see uh, the green behind them. Yeah, you see it, you see it. So, Jake, before we let you out of here, I actually have a request of you. What's up? I want you to give us the, the 10 question quiz, and I want to see where oh, BWR stands. Shit. Yeah, bitch. Oh, you ain't read the questions yet. Me neither. So, that, oh, that's going to be good. Okay, I'm excited yeah, about that. Yeah, David, David, you did that. All right, so. All right, put your phone down. So, y'all want five questions or 10 questions? You can give us five. Five questions. Put the phone down, little cheetah. All right, so give, this, him, give them to us random because we might have read some. No, of I really did. My mama was. <laughs> okay. This is gonna be multiple choice. All right, A, B, C, D. Okay. A uh, first question is: What is the primary purpose of a business plan? That's a question. What is the primary purpose of a business plan? A, to guide the operational strategy of the business. B, to keep track of employee performance. C, to calculate the exact profit margin. Or D, to monitor social media trends. Hey, what do you say? Uh, my initial head was my answer was my head was B. Okay, you going with B? Yeah. So the answer is A, uh, to guide operational strategy of business. Your answer to keep track of employee performance. Oh shit, I can remember what would be with that. Yeah. All right, so wah, I'll, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give you. I'll do. We won't do. We won't do three answers. I'll just do uh, 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 four answers. We'll do three. Okay. They'll be out. See so if you remember. Two. Which of the following is a key component of effective marketing? Okay, so which of the following is a key component of effective marketing? A, focusing solely on traditional advertising. B, ignoring online marketing channels. C, understanding and targeting the right audience. C. What do you got? I'm going with C as well. That correct answer is C. Yeah, I know that marketing, don't y'all? Hey, I got here somehow. Okay. I'm about to... Bad a thousand on them. Okay. I really didn't look. But now, these are the easiest questions. Yeah, I was about to though. say, don't get don't too be, excited this now. Is the, this is the SBP question. Yeah, yeah. These ain't no, you know what I mean? All right, so three. Uh, what is the main goal of customer relationship management? So CRM. Mm -hmm. A, to reduce the number of employees. B, to improve customer relationship and satisfaction. C, to increase the cost of goods uh, of goods sold. B. Going with B. Good. That's correct. To improve customer relationship and satisfaction. In a SWOT analysis, what does the Ooh. S stand for? Strengths. <laughs> okay, you got it. That's correct. That is good. Okay. Um, oh, which of the following best describes market segmentation? Ooh, Ooh let's get it. Let's that get is it. a really good Okay, y'all ready? Market segmentation. All right. A, dividing a market into distinct groups of buyers with different needs. B, the process of setting prices, uh, prices for products. C, creating a multiple marketing strategies for all customers, or D, focusing only on the uh, only on the most profitable customers. A, what you got? Can you repeat A? Uh, a is dividing a market into distinct groups of buyers with different needs. And what's B? B is the process of setting processes uh, prices for products. C is creating multiple marketing strategies for all customers. I'm gonna go with C. Okay, the answer is A. Dividing a market into distinct groups of buyers with different needs. 
<laughs> this bitch winked at me. Hey, we're done. <laughs> Cut the show. I'm done. <laughs> you got oh, Okay, no, so no, let me stump him. Yeah, yeah. This is Stump Jalen. Right? Let's this go. Is, this is a series of Stump Jalen. All right, you ready? Which financial statement provides a snapshot of a company's financial position at a specific point in time? Okay. A, income statement. B, cash flow statement. C, balance sheet. D, equity statement. Okay. Now repeat the question one more time. The question is, which financial statement provides a snapshot of a company's financial position at a specific point in time? A, income statement. B, cash flow statement. C, balance sheet. D, Equity statement. Income statement. What you got? I'm going with C. The answer is C, balance sheet. Oh, Let's okay. go. <laughs> you got me. You got me. You got me. <laughs> and we officially stumped Jay. Let's get it. Let's get <laughs> it. Hey, Accounting was always my worst. With <laughs> Jake, brother. Once I heard that account question, Appreciate it. <laughs> appreciate it. Uh, you got Jason, it. Jason, I got this one. <laughs> Decent, I got this one right hey, here. I, I do that one. I knew that. Oh, you talking about finances? Let's go. Oh. But. Man, again, this has been yeah, great, y'all. This was fun. So, PSBS, y'all, lock in, tap in. Y'all need this knowledge. Obviously, you can see I could use a bit of it. Yeah. Uh, marketing and finance, I got that shit down. When it gets to that operational stuff, you know, we we, we working on it. We, we working, working on it. There we, we go. all works in progress. That's right. If y'all want to work on it with us, y'all go to dpsbs.com. And y'all, man, sign up, brother. Y'all come join us in the community. I'll be in there every now and again. I might talk some shit. Yeah, there you go. You know what I'm saying? You know, come, come, come. Hell yeah. Hopefully we'll get us. them to make a couple of curriculums. Hey, I'm, I'm down. Social media marketing. Yeah. Organic. I think that'll be great. Build, building it from the scratch. I hey, think I'm, that'll be great. I got great. some stuff for podcasting, too, that I'll... Uh, I think that'll be great. Yeah. I think that'll be amazing. Hey, yeah. let's make it happen. Got Wealth a few family. other ideas, too. Okay. Wealth Builders, until next time, this is David. And Jalen. Got Jake right here. Hey, stop having doubts. the point? I have a clout. You can't cash it out. What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Dr. Shonda. And Chanel. And we're here from the Double Dose Podcast. We are one set of twins with two different perspectives. We both have faced many challenges in career, life, and relationships. And we are transparent about how we've relied on our faith to overcome them. If you want to hear us discuss current events, pop culture, and relationships, and everything else in between, tune in to the Double Dose Podcast. And it's brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network. Anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators.